0: Well, good morning church, how are you all doing? Terribly sorry to interrupt your conversations, I always feel bad about that bit, but I've got something important to say, so you have to listen. As ever, it's a delight and a joy to be amongst you all this morning and a real privilege uh, to get a chance to speak to you. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, uh, and there are maybe a few more than usual this morning, uh, my name is Mikey, excellent, congratulations. Five points to Hufflepuff. Uh, I am part of the leadership team here at New Community Church, uh, and I I head up devotion and worship. Uh, That's my role. That always makes me sound much holier than I feel for the most most part. Basically, what that means is that I have responsibility for the the song worship, worship, the musical worship that we have here on a Sunday morning. Uh, But more than that now, I've also carried responsibility for our our worship and devotional life uh, as a church as a whole. Um, So we're still working out exactly what that looks like as a role. Uh, So if you think that you know what that looks like, please do come and see me afterwards. I would be fascinated to find out. Um, So I'm briefly going to pray before I start. Um, uh, Yes, Father, I thank you that you're here, you're working and you're speaking. I pray you'd speak through me and you'd give us all is to listen and hearts open to hear what you're saying to us this morning. Amen. Splendid. So what can we expect from the talk this morning? Well, we're continuing our series on the parables of Jesus. And today's chosen passage is Matthew 25, uh, verses 1 to 13, which is, as we all know, that's the parable of the ten virgins, correct? Splendid. Make of that what you will. Um, So we're going to read from the Bible. That's the plan. Some of you breathing sighs of relief. That's a good place to start. Uh, We'll also discuss the end times as briefly as possible, I promise. Um, We'll talk about manure, obviously, if we get a chance. We'll think about what it means uh, to stay the course, to build a lifelong faith in Jesus, to stay attentive, alert, and awake to him. Uh, And, of course, we will include, as all good sermons should, a small clip from the seminal piece of British filmmaking that is Johnny English. Are we ready for that? I'm not convinced you are, but let's go for it. I'm gonna start, let's go straight to the Bible. Turn in your Bible apps to Matthew 25, verses one to 13. It should be on the screen, perfect, look at that. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, typical, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. You know, weddings, they're long, it's a tiring day, it's okay. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, Go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So. When I initially sat down to to read this passage and prepare, my first thought was, who did Amy Ward pay off to get the parable of the prodigal son? (laughs) (laughs) And and how was I left with this one? No, I jest, of course. But, um, you know, on first listen, let's be honest, it's not necessarily the most inspiring of passages. I don't think that many of you have this hung up on your wall or on your fridge. Um, In fact, I read one piece in my research that sort of likened it a bit to an anxiety dream. You know those ones where you've got to do a presentation at work, and you turn up and you realize, I actually haven't prepared my presentation. Oh, and also I'm not wearing any trousers. Oh, and also my teeth are falling out. That sort of vibe. You sort of, you can see where that could come from. But I think we can pretty strongly rule out Jesus wanting us to feel anxious about this. Uh, That's not the response he wants to elicit in us. He says his yoke is easy, his burden is light. doesn't want to put heaviness on us. Numerous times, he tells us not to worry. So I think we we can rule that out. That's not his heart. But then what is he saying to us in this passage? What was he saying back then? What is he saying to us now in our context? Well, I'd love to take a brief step back before we move onwards, get a couple of bits of context to help us try and work this out. Firstly, what is a parable? And what do we do with one if we find one in the wild? Well, I have really loved going through this series on uh, on parables. I think it's been really, 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 really great. uh, Because parables are basically stories that Jesus told um, to illustrate a point. And there is such power in stories. As Billy said a couple of weeks ago, we find them everywhere in, in our lives, in our Films and TV shows and books that we're reading and video games. We love to superimpose stories and narratives over sporting events, over uh, current affairs, over even our own lives. Stories compel us. They are powerful. We're drawn to them. I bet you can remember Alex's talk from last week much better than you usually can remember a talk from one week ago because it was a story. If you weren't there, you missed out. It was the tale of the artist formerly known as Freddie the Fast and his condiment courtiers. It was wonderful. See, so Jesus understands this. He uses these stories to engage with us. They kind of you know, sneak up on us and disarm us, allow them to show us a truth maybe we'd forgotten or didn't know. Um, but they involve us in this work. He's not just telling us stuff or listing facts. Eugene Peterson, who is the author of the message translation of the Bible, he says, a parable is a way of saying something that requires the imaginative participation of the listener. So the point is that we engage with these stories, uh, that we wrestle with them. They're meant to to make us think. So what I don't want to do today is simply say, this is exactly what this parable means. You know, the oil means this and the bridesmaids mean this. Uh, I don't want to give us just The easy answers, as if it was as simple as that. I want to try and give us something to think about. And yeah, I do want to point us in a certain direction and make a certain point, but I'm not saying that that is the final word on this parable, that this is the be all and end all. I want to maybe point out some other different ways of thinking about it as well. Help us to engage in the story actively. So then, what is the actual context in which Jesus is speaking here? What has he said just before? Because the start of the parable goes then at that time. You know, he's referring to something he's just said. Well, this all comes off the back of uh, the chapter before, uh, Matthew 24, uh, where the disciples, they're leaving the temple in Jerusalem, and they say to Jesus, what a magnificent temple, isn't it glorious? And Jesus really puts a downer on that and goes, yeah, well, it's going to be destroyed, isn't it? And so he prophesies of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, um, which then actually happens, I think, around AD 70, a few years later. Um, so a lot of the, the stuff that he's talking about in this context is talking about that specific event that has happened in the past for us. But it does get a little bit confusing because he also talks about the, the coming of the Son of Man, that phrase is used, which is direct reference, it seems, to Jesus' return, him coming again. And so this is where the, the end time stuff uh, comes in. But as I promised, I won't spend too long on it. I think it's enough to now to know that context. I don't think we need to dwell on it just yet. So with that in mind, let's head back to the parable itself what is going on? Well, there are ten bridesmaids. And from now on, I'm going to use the term bridesmaids um, because I'm getting to start a little bit, feel a little bit self-conscious, and I might just go into Madonna if, I don't, if I'm not too careful. Uh, so there are ten bridesmaids. They're waiting for the groom, who is apparently caught in traffic or maybe stopped to watch the Champions League final on the way. Um, and in the meantime, all the bridesmaids fall asleep. Five of them, however, have thought ahead, and they've brought spare oil for their lamps. The other five didn't. So they end up missing the party because they're out looking for a 24-hour oil shop. And Jesus concludes by saying, therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So I'm, if I'm honest, as you know, as I, as I said, I do find the passage a bit difficult at times, not sure what to do with it. Both the bridegroom and the wise bridesmaid seem to be a little bit unnecessarily harsh. Do you, do you reckon it doesn't seem like I don't think that's what Jesus would do in that. That's not what I thought he would have done in that situation. Is that just me? Um, well, I think what we have to remember is that this is a story. It's a, it's a metaphor. It's to illustrate a point. By its very nature, it cannot be an exact and whole representation of who God is and what he is like. Only Jesus can do that. That's what he came to earth to do. And he knows that, Jesus. He's not trying to be an exact representation of God with this one story. What he's trying to do is illustrate a point. Uh, and so, what what do we think he's saying then? I think it seems to say that you know we mustn't get complacent. We must be prepared. Um, must be ready. Jesus is coming back. How will he find us? So could it all just be summed up by this clip I'm about to show you from one of the great physical comedians of our time? You ready, Tim? Let's play this one. It's coming.
1: It's going to be worth the wait. Look busy. Am I insane for playing that clip? Maybe. Is it just
0: simply, you know, don't don't be caught doing naughty stuff, because Jesus is coming back. Now, I am being deliberately silly there, which I know isn't like me. All right. But I do think that's not quite the point. There's more to it than that. So I did, as I say, want to go and look at a couple of different ways uh, of thinking about it as well. In my research, I found uh, one suggestion of a very different reading that I'd not thought of before, uh, where the writer says the bridesmaid's he suggests the bridesmaids are not foolish because they didn't bring spare oil. They're foolish because they, they believed or they listened to the other bridesmaids when they said they needed to go and get some more. We are foolish when we think that, it, that we are not enough for God in our lack, that we need to sort ourselves out before coming to him. Interesting. What do you think? Now, from the context, I'm, not, I'm pretty sure that's not what Jesus was actually trying to get at in the moment. But it's interesting to think about. I think there is some truth there, and maybe we'll come back to. NT Wright suggests that at least in part it can, or maybe should, be read as talking about people's reactions to Jesus uh, in the moment in Israel, the wise who were ready to accept him and recognise him as the Messiah, and the foolish who did not. But then, if that's the case, how does it apply to us now? What do we do with it now? So many of these passages, as I say, have been taken to be solely about Jesus' uh, second coming, uh, when that is not the full picture. I don't think that's necessarily how they would have been fully understood at the time. As I say, he's talking uh, broadly about the destruction of the temple as well, which is now in the past. But that's not to say uh, that the idea, uh, these ideas are irrelevant. I think Jesus knew what he was doing uh, and deliberately made that, that double meaning possible. Now, Let me be honest, I am woefully and hilariously unqualified to talk about anything eschatology, return of Jesus, end times. And I'm also very aware that it's a complicated and controversial subject that has often been very poorly handled, wildly misunderstood. Um, And so I want to be careful with it. And I don't feel the need uh, to dwell on it for very long here. For me, it's enough to say, as Jesus does, no one knows the day or the hour. But in light of that fact that none of us does know what our own future holds, let alone the fate of the entire cosmos, what I do want to talk about today is is staying the course. It's about remaining attentive, alert, and awake to Jesus. I think that's the main thrust of the point he's getting at with this parable. The five wise bridesmaids were prepared to go the distance. They were ready for the long haul. And I want to talk about building a lifelong journey following Him. And what better topic on the day uh, of a dedication as we commemorate the start of Lily's journey? I want us to talk, ask ourselves, what does that mean then? What does that look like to create a lifelong faith? And I believe in our impatient microwave meal culture that this continued attentiveness, this staying power, is actually acutely powerful and i want to challenge all of us uh, to be building a faith that lasts and as i set out to do this as i was preparing i recognized that actually i haven't been following jesus maybe quite as long as some of you have and so i wanted to, to seek out some advice from how shall i put this let's say wiser people i think that was delicate enough and now there was so much goodness actually that i got back from that request uh, I really enjoyed going through it all, and I'm, I'm sorry that I can't just that I have time to read all of it out to you today. But there were, I found as I went through it, three main themes uh, that came out through, through all of them, really. And I have, a, I have a theory that they all kind of link. So the first, and I think this is, uh, I put this on the PowerPoint, the first was having strong foundations in God. It's good, simple, solid advice. We have to know who we are and who God is, and we have to live out from that truth. But how do we do that? Well, I believe the second theme of advice can help us. Um, The second one is about remaining connected to God, regularly encountering Him, praying, spending time in silence, in solitude, reading our Bible. But not just that, also remaining connected to one another, the recognition that a lifelong journey of faith cannot be a solitary one. We need accountability, we need each other. Again, it's simple, it's effective, it's good. But that's not always easy. These are things that we, we know, but you know, often don't get right. So what's the key then? Well, I believe the third piece of advice that kept coming through that will help us with this is, was a sense of perseverance, of taking the long view. One person in particular said, plodding along, simply putting one foot in front of the other how do we remain connected to god and one another how do we build strong foundations it's day by day it's step by step small decision by small decision plodding along and that may seem simple but i believe it is profound important and actually deeply countercultural. um those of you here a few weeks ago Heard one of my favorite bible verses that we don't often see up on someone's fridge uh, that was acts 2:15, which says these people are not drunk as you suppose it's only nine in the morning that's by the by another one of my favorite bible verses to add to that list um, that you don't often see uh, preached on or up on a fridge is 1 thessalonians 4 verse 11 make it your ambition to lead a quiet life you should mind your own business and work with your hands now, you know, you don't hear many sermons about that. Who knew that was in the Bible? In a world obsessed by productivity and celebrity and glamour, this is not a very fashionable verse. And it's not saying that we can't lead exciting life and do big things and, and have ambition. Not at all. But it does show us that that's not the be-all and end-all. And I think it is so often how God works in the quiet, in the small, and in the slow see his rescue plan for the world was to send his son jesus to us but this he did this not in a big flashy obvious and obnoxious way jesus didn't look like a conquering king when he arrived he looked like a baby born into poverty out of wedlock laid in an animal's feeding trough and even then he didn't even do anything of note for 30 years Even I achieved more in my first 30 years in life than Jesus did. Admittedly, after those 30 years, he really got his skates on. Uh, You know, signs and wonders, healings, miracles, greatest teaching the world's ever heard, died, rose again, saved the world. I'm a little bit behind at this point. But the point remains that God is not in a hurry. Psalm 90, verse 6 says, A thousand years in your sight, are like a day that has just gone by. God works on a different time scale to us. And at this point, I'd like to, if I may, if I have your permission, I'd like to introduce my surprise, unannounced second parable. Ah. Don't worry, it's a short one. Love it. This is in Luke 13, 6 to 9, if you're in your Bible apps. It says, then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. So, what does the kingdom of God look like here? Looks like the gardener, like a stay of execution. It looks like waiting, not acting. It's not immediate, it takes the long view. Eugene Peterson, back again for his second quote of the sermon, says When it comes to doing something about what is wrong in the world, Jesus is best known for his fondness for the tiny, the invisible, the quiet. The slow yeast, salt, seeds, and manure. See, I told you we'd get to manure. It's the stuff that works in the background that we don't see the effect of day by day, but eventually it adds up. It's slow, it's small, it's quiet. I believe if we are to live a life that's attentive to Jesus, that we are to not become complacent, to go the distance, then I believe we have to be patient as He is patient. To not be in a hurry, to take the long view. To not be afraid of a quiet life. To not shun the quiet, the small and the slow. To be willing just to put one foot in front of the other day by day. And this isn't about perfection. There will be days when we don't do that. When we forget, we mess up. Even the most faithful journey will have missteps. Even the five wise bridesmaids, they still fell asleep. It's about picking ourselves up and plodding onwards again. I listened to a podcast, a Vineyard Worship podcast, a few years ago that really impacted me. The guest was talking about the fast and the slow work of God and the fact that we need both. Yes, there are mountaintop moments where God seems to work in an instant. Times of revelation just hitting us, healings, one-off encounters that are incredible. I expect you know many of us who went to wildfires had some of those moments and experienced that. And they are important. They are good. But life can't look like that all of the time. And it frequently doesn't, for the most part. There must also be the slow, day-by-day habits and rituals and practice that we do. The barely perceptible movement from glory to glory as we plod along. We need both. And maybe, perhaps, in our church tradition, we have sometimes overemphasized the fast work of God. We've put more spotlight on that, on the big moments, uh, the healings, the exciting stuff. And not not always managed to mention as much the slower work of God. But I think this is something of what it looks like to build a faith that lasts, that remains attentive to Jesus, Bracing the fast and the slow work of God. And this is actually the stuff that I'm getting really passionate about at the moment. As I said before, my role now encompasses not just musical worship, but the whole devotional life of the church, which is a bit terrifying. Uh, I'm, I am excited to see a church living whole lives of worship, where we encounter and begin to recognize God in the everyday, in the uh, In the mundane, where our worship is not limited to thirty minutes of soft pop rock on a Sunday morning. Now don't get me wrong, I love the soft pop rock. Mike Martin on electric guitar, wonderful this morning. What a great time! But if we are to go the distance, I believe it has to be more than that. And I do want to help us facilitate. Uh, facilitate that and as part of my role that's why some of you may have seen i encouraged us all to go through lecture 365 over lent the app together and i'll be trying to do more of those things you know dotted throughout the year where we bring our individual walks together corporately encouraging us to walk together Uh, but if you do have any ideas as to what what could be helpful any resources or ways of going about helping us in the things that we you know, sometimes struggle with, in those little day-by-day things, uh, then please do come and have a chat to me. I'd love to, to work out what this looks like. So, as we start to circle the runway, and that's something that preachers say when they have absolutely no intention of ending anytime soon. As we end, where are we at? What are we taking away? Well, we've engaged with the parable, we've looked at some ways to think about it, in particular, we focused on that challenge to be the wise bridesmaids, the ones who were ready, who remained attentive, who brought enough oil to go the distance. We've asked then, what does it take for us to do this, to build a lifelong faith? And we've got three main points of advice. Again, we one, to build strong foundations. How do we do that? Well, by two, remaining connected to God and each other. And How do we do that? Well, by perseverance taking the long view, committing to plodding along, day by day, one step in front of the other. So today you may find yourself in various places. Maybe you feel like you have been drifting a bit, uh, that you haven't been remaining attentive to Jesus. Um, Let me challenge and encourage you to take that first plod back in the right direction, to begin again to build a faith that lasts, you haven't missed your chance. Don't wait to get everything sorted before coming to Jesus, like that alternative reading of the parable suggested. Don't listen to the voices that say Jesus won't accept you as you are. Or maybe you've been faithfully on this walk for a long time. and uh, Let me encourage you to keep going. Let me say well done. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Perhaps it is time to feel a little bit stale at times, or you don't always feel the same excitement Now, as you did before, don't give up, stay attentive to Jesus. Or maybe you're not following Jesus that's uh, not who you are right now, but you're intrigued by this countercultural idea of doing life day by day with Him, of committing to something that lasts. We would love any of us to have a chat with you about what that means afterwards. Do come and speak to myself, or Ben and Flora, or the prayer team will be out afterwards. And as I said, you don't have to wait to get your life in order to start the journey. It's a step of faith, one at a time. And I hope that I haven't made it uh, seem too boring, too, too dull, this Christian life. That wasn't my intention at all. It's not about resigning ourselves to a life of drudgery. It's about finding God, finding joy in the everyday, the beauty in the seemingly boring. And after all, the parable itself is all leading up to a wedding. The kingdom of God is also like a big old party. Um, so in response, I'm not planning a big long time of encounter. Not because that isn't good. But actually because the real response comes out there. Comes tomorrow morning as we go about our lives. Stuck in traffic on the journey to work. Paying the mortgage, phoning the plumber. Cutting the crust off the kids' lunches you know choosing something to eat every single night and then cooking it every single night <sighs> declogging the sink checking your emails taking your next steps plodding along finding god in all of those places and realizing he is slowly working in you and through you what's the time here have i got a chance to do this you reckon so okay then if if i may i would love to sing you a song is that okay you don't have to sing along. You've literally never heard it before. But just as we contemplate what we've thought about, um, there's a song that I've, I've written as I've been thinking about a lot of these things, not just for this sermon. Thanks, Mike. I'm going to steal his lovely Back to the Future guitar. Um, and so as we think about this, I'm just going to sing you a song. Um, and before that, I will briefly pray.
1: Lovely.
0: Yeah, I'll take it now. Yeah, I said I'd pray, but I, I regret that. Not, oh, you know what I mean. Uh, I regret this. This is what I really regret. No, I got it. It's all good. Yes,
1: please. Lovely. Lovely.
0: Yes, yeah, so I'm briefly going to pray, and then I'm going to play you a song, and the words will be on the screen, I hope. Um, but as I say, let's just take a chance to contemplate, to think about what this means for us now going forward. Yes, yeah, so Father, I thank you. You've been speaking, you've been working uh, here today with us. Lord, well, I ask you would embed this in our hearts. You teach us how to follow you, how to stay the course, remain attentive to you. Not just now in this moment, but as we go from here, as we live our lives day by day with you. Amen.
1: Jesus, I'm in for the long haul. For the marathon and not just the sprint My roots growing deep into your soil That I might stand strong in the wind and still sometimes I would like to go faster Running this heavenly race I'm learning to trust in the Master and His unhurried rhythms of grace. I surrender, I surrender to the steadfast and slow work of God on the journey of a lifetime I will trust you with all that I've got So I'm not afraid of the humble The quiet, the small and the slow And whether I stride or I stumble I will follow wherever You go And yes Jesus I've known Disappointment Impatience Frustration And fear But I am still Standing Expectant That we will see Your goodness right here And I surrender I surrender To the steadfast and slow work of God On the journey of a lifetime I will trust you with all that I've got Jesus, you're in for the long haul You're not just a fair-weather friend so i'll cling to the king who is faithful whose mercies don't come to an end Oh, your mercies don't come to an end so i surrender i surrender to the steadfast and slow work of god on the journey of a lifetime, I will trust you with all that I've got. And I surrender, I surrender to the steadfast and slow work of God on the journey of a lifetime, I will trust you with all that I've got. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Mikey, for all that you shared and also for sharing that beautiful song with us.